usually when you're in a situation like I am, that you don't speak real often. Uh, when time comes for you to speak because you really don't have uh, maybe a lesson prepared in advance or, or uh, that type of thing, uh, you have a tendency to speak on something that maybe is on your mind, a thought or, or something that's, that you've been praying about. And that's the case this morning as I share with you for just a few minutes and we talk about the question, am I, are we prepared or to, are we prepared? The idea of preparation has been hitting several times over the last couple of months. Krista does such a good job. Uh, she sends out on Monday the attendance and prayer report, on Wednesday the news and notes and on Friday, the, uh, uh, the insider comes in our emails. And it's a situation where over the last several months, there's been a note from the elders. And that note says, the elders of Northside ask that you're praying for the Britt family as they begin their preparations to move to Jeffersonville. And for our Northside family, as we begin our preparation to welcome and serve with them. And then it lists their ad current address. Well, listen, I really have prayed for them as far as them preparing to move because anybody that's moved over the last several years knows that moving can be a really trying, trying experience. I think Debbie and I thought a time or two that it was going to result in us separating uh, as, as we tried to, to get things ready to move and decide what we were going to do with. So I definitely pray for that. I de- they're under a, a different aspect than I am. They, or we were, they, uh, they're having a hard time house hunting. And uh, finding places, as you know, the market is very, very scarce for, for houses. So uh, I believe he said Wednesday night that when he headed here, he had eight possible uh, houses he wanted to look at. And before he got here, seven of them were sold. So that's, that's a burden for them, the burden of getting ready to move, the burden of, of moving here. So they deserve our prayers. The second aspect of that is the preparation that we have as we prepare to get a, to have a new minister, for Rodney to come and work with us and, 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 and preach from this pulpit. We have preparations to do. In my life over the last several months, uh, there's been several things come up that I've had to prepare for. So preparations has been on my mind. There has been several times when I've asked myself, am I prepared for this? Am I prepared for the consequences of this? So very important, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, that as Christians, we evaluate We look and see how our life measures up. Are we prepared? I picked out for our for our scriptures this morning the starting in Matthew chapter twenty four. We're going to look at chapter twenty four, parts of twenty four, and quite a bit of twenty five. 
a lot of material, a number of parables. But it's a situation where Jesus thought this topic was important enough that he taught his disciples these in succession. The Holy Spirit thought it was important enough that the inspired writers put it together for us here in these verses and these parables, which go hand in hand together. Our setting is that Jesus has just left the temple in chapter 24 in the beginning. Jesus has just left the temple. He's walking with his disciples. And they start pointing out to him what great buildings that surround them in Jerusalem there. How large, how magnificent these buildings were. The splendor of these buildings. And as scriptures tell us that Jesus left the temple, was going away with his disciples, who, ca- who caused him to point out the buildings of the temple. But he answered, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. He's given them kind of a thing to think about here because they're admiring the, the, the temple. They're admiring the construction. The stones of that temple were said to be huge. Uh, as much as 37 feet long, 14 feet deep, 12 feet high. So they were huge stones. His disciples probably thought that temple would last forever. Probably would be no reason uh, for, for a, a new temple. That this one had been constructed, it had been built, the time had been taken... And it was there to stay. The government was secure. They were under the Roman Empire. The Roman, there was peace. So they had no reason to really think what Jesus was really saying when he said that this was going, this town, this city would be destroyed and no stone would be stacked on another one. He goes on in, 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 then in verse 3, it says, And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're really asking two questions. They want to know when this is going to happen. They want to know, when's the city going to be destroyed? Also in their questioning, and we really don't know what they're completely understanding. We see that even after Jesus died, the apostles and disciples were not sure of what was happening. They were sad because, again, many thought he was going to establish an earthly kingdom. So they're wanting to know now, number one, when is this destruction going to come? Number two, when are you coming? When are you coming back? You're saying you're going away. You've told us you're going away. When are you coming? When are you coming back? He proceeds then to tell them and give them uh, uh, give them details a little bit about the uh, uh, what was going to happen. 
and give them signs of the end of the age. He warned them that things were going to be rough for them in Jerusalem. He says, some of you are going to be living when this happens. And it's going to be rough. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be bad times for everybody. And he picks out and says it's going to be time, bad times for mothers and children and mothers that haven't given birth yet. And if it happens during the winter time, it'll be terrible because of the cold. Or he, he says pray that it doesn't happen on the Sabbath day because they might encounter other things getting away. If it happened on the Sabbath, Sabbath day, they might not be able to get out of the city because of, of the gates. This would be a, a hindrance to them. But he talks about the abomination of the desolation that refers back to, to, to Daniel. And he spends time in that chapter preparing them preparing them for what's going to happen. This thing that they think that is their foundation was going to be destroyed. And he wants to prepare them for that. Uh, he gives us, gives us some, some other lessons in, in, in this area of the coming of the Son of Man. If we drop down to verse 30 of that chapter... And he starts now talking about when he's going to come back. Two different situations. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. So he tells them, when I return, I'm going to come in the clouds. And I'm going to send my angels to gather up uh, mankind. We drop down then to verse 36. And he gives them now uh, some more understanding on this. Because they had asked, if you'll remember, they asked, when's this going to happen? He'd already told them that the, the destruction of Jerusalem was going to come. And it only took 40 years. It was less than 40 years from the time that they were talking here to the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. But verse 36 says, but, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as and were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. If you remember when God gave Noah his instructions to build the ark, of course, as far as we know from Scripture, it had never rained before, and here he is building a big boat. It took him 120 years to build that boat. 120 years. And the Scriptures tell us that Noah was preaching 
during that time. He was telling people about what was going to happen. And the people didn't care. The people weren't interested. They'd never seen this before. They were not interested. And they went about their deeds, went about what they were doing. They were more caught up in the in the trials and 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 tribulations and and activities of the lives they were leading here on earth and as we know they were very sinful lives uh, that they were 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 involved in we have the same situation as we examine ourselves and we think one of the questions we can ask is mankind much out of the same boat right now Is mankind more interested in the things of this earth, in the things that that, uh, God is, the things that man has produced and made important for himself, instead of being interested in what God and what God wanted him to do? He goes on as he's discussing this scene. Then two men will be in the field. Verse 40. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken. One will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know the day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and was and would not have left the house to be broken in. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He has two things for them. Number one, they are to watch. Number two, they are to be ready. Were they prepared? Were they preparing themselves? Were they going to prepare themselves for this? Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over his, all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, Master, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour that he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him in with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus gives them an example, a parable of, of the, the master that sends, that, that turns the responsibility over to his servant. It was that servant's job to take care of the master's stuff. But instead, it's possible that he just disregarded. Again, the message Jesus is sending, watch, be prepared. We had, they had no certain amount of time. Nothing's changed today for us. Many times we get involved and there are so many things. And, and, and Satan does his best to take our minds off 
of the things that we ought to be doing and focus them on something else over here that'll distract us, something that'll confuse us or, or something that will lead us off. And that's the reason why we as Christians, we as God's children, have to reevaluate. We have to know where we stand on a regular basis. We have to take the Bible and use it as our teacher, as our example, as we strive to to, uh, uh, put God first in our lives and realign. We have a very loving God, a God that is so forgiving. As I look back at the Israelites, I can't fathom how he was able to keep loving them, keep helping them, would be very difficult in in my physical mindset to take care of these people since they were constantly turning their back on him. But he's a loving God. He knows that I'm going to make a mistake. He knows that I'm going to vary off the straight and narrow But he is forgiving when I ask for that forgiveness. Again, a purpose of evaluation. Ask for for forgiveness. Ask for help. We start chapter 25, and which Cole read for us a few minutes ago. When we talk about the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. Jesus proceeds. He's still sitting there on the Mount of Olives, talking to his disciples, teaching them, sharing with them. He's, this is very important from the standpoint, this is the last week of his life. This is taking place at the, during the last week of his life. He's making trips back and forth between Bethany and Jerusalem, where he's spending the nights. And he travels over the Mount of Olives as he does this. And that's where he stopped. That's where he, he, he talks to them. And he continues that. And in this chapter, he tells the parable of the ten, the ten virgins in chapter 25. A real important lesson for you and me. A real important lesson for all of God's children. Be prepared. Be prepared. The wedding feast was planned. The groom had left to go get his bride. He was going to come back to his house. These ten virgins were part of that party. Their lamps were going to be used to help light the way as he returned to his house. But yet five were prepared and five weren't. The five that were prepared had brought extra oil. The five that were not, they were out of luck. Because when they asked for help from the others, they said, we don't have enough oil for us to, 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 for us to use and to share with you. Go get you some. Go buy some. And as the story tells us, they went. But unfortunately, when they got back, they knocked on that door. 
because the bridegroom had already come. The other five virgins were gone, and they knocked on that door. And we answer, and the, uh, they knocked on that door, and they said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore for you, because neither the day nor the hour is known. Our word again, watch. We are supposed to be a watchful people. If we're a watchful people and we're studying, we're going to make adjustments in our life in preparation. The next parable he lists here is the parable of the talents. And it says in verse 14, For for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. And he entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also was the one with two talents and made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled and settled their accounts. So he came and settled his accounts with his servants. We have a situation here. A couple of statements in there that we want to think about. Number one, God gave those talents based on ability. He is not going to expect, accept, expect something from me that I'm not able to do. He gave those talents because he knew the abilities of these three servants. He gave one that had, had more ability, five talents. The another one, two. And finally, the one gentleman, one. Based on their ability. We see him return. The master comes back. And what does he find? Well, he finds two pretty happy uh, servants. One of them that had five comes up to him with joy and probably the first one to say, Look what I've done. I took your five, I've got five more, now I have ten. And the master blessed him and promised to reward him for his good service. The second one had two, and he also was joyous. You know, you could say from this standpoint, it's two ways. Number one, when Jesus returns... Christians are going to be happy. We're going to be joyous. When Christ comes back, we are going to be excited about it because the promises God's made to us uh, about our reward is so much greater than anything that we can possibly have here on this earth. The ones that do not believe in Jesus, are the ones who did not follow 
God's commandments and prepare for Jesus' return are going to be the sad ones. They're going to be upset. They're going to be in the twinkling of eye concerned with what their future holds. And we see a little glimpse of that as, as we look at, at, uh, at this uh, uh, the conclusion of this one. He turns now to the, uh, to the, uh, the one that had only one after telling the others that uh, they've been faithful and, and complimenting, complimenting them. Now in verse 24, He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Did he steal from his master? No. He still had what his master gave him. He didn't steal. He wasn't dishonest. He still had what his master gave him. But it's a situation where the master had expected more. He had expected him to be prepared. The very least he could have done, the scriptures here tell us, is that he, the very least he could have done is he could have put it to use with interest. The Gentiles, the Jews were able to bank with the Gentiles. So if he would wanted to bank, uh, put it in the bank, he would have at least gotten interest. But instead, he took the talent that his God had given, his master had given him, and hid it in the ground and used it to no avail. All these three parables tell us is that we have to be prepared. You and I must be prepared. Now Jesus is going to tell them another story, and this is not a parable. He's now telling them what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. In verse 31, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all His angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. He will, be, he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on the right, Come you who are blessed by my, blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he's going to tell them why. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when we dis- do, do we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison and visit you? And the king answered them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, the wording here does not mean that these folks gave one thirsty person a drink or fed one person. The implication is they had love for their fellow man. They had concern for their fellow man. They wanted them taken care of. They knew the needy. I looked up a number, and to be honest with you, I, I looked a couple places and got the same number, but I didn't have a chance to go through and call out how this word could have been used in some other ways. But the word poor and needy is used two th- over 2,000 times in the Bible. If you go back and look under the Old Testament law, you'll see that there was preparation made to take care of their poor, to take care of their needy, to take care of their widows, to take care of their orphans. All this was taken to, prepared to be, for them to be taken care of. And these folks, the ones that were prepared, were the ones that, that uh, God blessed and welcomed in to, the, to eternal bliss with him. He now turns to the others. As he turns to the others and looks at them, he tells them the same thing. You never did these things for me. You never did this. And their quick response was, Lord, when did we see, when did we see you? If I'd have seen you, I guarantee you I would have been there to, 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 uh, to help you. But I never saw you. And he answers again, because you didn't do it to anyone or the least of these, you didn't do it to me. And they're sent away to eternal punishment. It's a situation to where we have to be prepared. We have to evaluate. What are we doing? What are we doing? We're saying we're waiting for Rodney to come. And I'm excited about Rodney getting here. But is Rodney going to take care of what my responsibility is to God? What am I doing? Do I need to wait till Rodney gets here to do what I'm supposed to do? Shouldn't I already be working? To, to prepare for God's return. None of us here are guaranteed another moment. We may die. God may decide it's time for Jesus to return. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we doing the examples that, that Jesus taught us in these parables? Are we feeding the hungry? Are we giving the thirsty drink? Are we visiting in prison? 
I'm here to tell you right now, I've never been in a prison. And, and I'm not real super excited about going. But those folks need to hear the message too. And if I take that up on myself, I need to do that and spread that word and share it with them. There are so many ways to serve, folks. Serve, God gives us an open book to serve. He gave us talents. You and I have talents. Whether it's mental ability, physical ability that we might have, whether it's, it's our money that we can use, uh, all of these are things, talents, that we need to be using according to these parables. We need to be workmen. We need to be workers in the kingdom. There's lots of programs, lots of projects that the deacons here would be glad to get you to help in. But it's each and every one of our responsibilities. He's not going to pick out one and say, well, you didn't do anything, but that's all right, go to heaven anyway. He's going to judge us all equally, judge us by the same law, judge us by the same circumstances. And although he is a loving God that loves us beyond measure, the day is going to come when that door is going to close. Just like it did on those virgins. And no matter what we do, we will not be able to get in. We will be locked out, separated for God for eternity. This morning, as we look at our lives, as we examine our standing with God, examine where we are, we have to make decisions. If you're here and have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've never confessed, repented, believed in Him, and were ne- have never been baptized, you're not prepared. Study God's Word. You're not prepared. If you're here this morning and for some reason you've strayed a little bit away to the right or to the left, God, Jesus tells us that that road is straight and narrow. And when you get to be my age, when you're on a straight, narrow sidewalk, you sometimes have a tendency to step off of it. So it's a situation to where if you find yourself in that situation, a child of God which has stepped off to the side and need to step back in, we're here to help you. 